Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember the day, but I was taking a tour of the City of Refuge, which is a missions organization just a couple miles from here. They work with a lot of women and children and uh, people like that that are in need. And so I was taking a tour. It's a massive facility. And while we're on the tour, we entered this one wing of one of the many buildings. And in this particular building, they had a preschool for the kids who live there. So it's like a legit, like, Georgia, whatever, pre-K thing, kindergarten, whatever. And it was kind of cool because it's all inside the building, but they had these floor-to-ceiling glass walls, so you can kind of see inside the, the classes. You know, and they had, like, all their artwork on the windows and whatever, and it was really kind of cool. And, but when we were passing through, at that point in the tour, it was nap time in the preschool, so, like, all the lights were off, but you could still kind of see in there. And, like, did anybody take naps in preschool? I just don't remember this. Okay. I mean, I take naps now, but I just don't remember that. But anyway, so I kind of get up close, and I'm looking, because it, it just looked weird. It's like all these little bodies on these little tiny cots with blankets. It kind of looked like a cult thing, like something bad was happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> But they were just all asleep. I mean, it was just amazing. And the teacher was just smoking in the corner. And, like, it was like, <laughs> you could tell, you know. I'm kidding. She was, she was in the middle of the room. But, um, but I just was like, wow, I don't even remember that. But I do remember, I don't, you know, like elementary school, like, the worst command from your parent was, like, you need to go take a nap. Are you with me on this? Like, you don't want to miss anything. It's like the first time you start to, like, existentially think, Time is not a renewable, renewable resource. I have to, like, I can't just pause and nap. I need to, like, stay on top of whatever it is that I'm doing. I don't want to miss all that. And so I, I just remember as a kid, like, go take a nap was, like, the worst uh, thing. Our son, who's 15 now, like, he didn't nap after he was, like, two. He didn't take naps anymore. So it's just we're tired at this point. But, um, but this summer he went to the Atlanta Track Club running cross-country camp at Barry College for a week. And um, so he dropped him off, and he texted me, like, this first or second day. I was like, how's it going? And he was like, yeah, we just finished nap time. <laughs> and I was like, there's nap time? And he was like, yeah, they, we had a class on nutrition and, like, rest, and they make us nap every day, you know? And I was like, that's amazing. Like, We've been telling you to take a nap for a long time, and you just never do it, but these people he doesn't know. Like, that's how it works if you're a parent. You know this, but, like, this is why youth ministry is so key. You need that third person who says the same stuff you've been saying, and they think it's gold, you know. But, uh, but it's been kind of cool because now, like, we can kind of use that because we know when our son is, he's at the red line, you know, because he's always kind of that way anyway. Plus, he's into Metallica now, so it's always red line. And uh, <laughs> just sounds like a machine gun in our house all the time. But uh, we love him. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't understand. He's like, aren't they big? I'm like, in the 90s? Like, I don't know. But maybe they still are. I don't know. Uh, but now he'll take a nap, you know. Did you take a nap in college? College is where you nap. I mean, I got dropped from classes because of naps, you know. <laughs> it's- it's true, you know, it's true. Uh, Kyle, who was in here first service, went to Point University, but he, he tells this story. Uh, I forget whose class he was in when he was a student, but, like, he, he had, like, one more miss, and they were going to drop him, you know. And, like, they called him. The, they called him from class. 
hey, Kyle, can you come to class? You know, like the teacher was like, I don't want to drop you, so get your butt in here. Um, so naps, naps are good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I want to talk about rest. I want to talk about, I want us to explore Sabbath. Say that word with me. Sabbath, it's this wonderful word that means, it means a lot of things. It's Hebrew's great because it kind of has all these different little layers of what it might mean, but it means to stop or to cease. Sometimes it means the day that stops. Um, all these sort of, it, there's even an there's even a, um, iteration of it that means seven. It's very interesting. Um, so I want to talk about that today. If you have a Bible, Deuteronomy chapter five, um, and while you're turning there, a little bit of background. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of what's called the Torah, and it's a lot like the Exodus. The book of Exodus, it's a kind of a rewrite. It's an updated version of the law written for a new generation. So it's kind of, it's got some different wording in it. It's upgraded for the young kids. It comes with an app. It's really interesting. Um, but the Ten Commandments are both in Exodus 20 and also in Deuteronomy 5. And the Sabbath command in Deuteronomy is interesting because it includes a phrase that doesn't exist in the Exodus version, and that's kind of what I want us to uh, sit on for a, a minute here. But let me just read this to you. We're going to read 12 through 15. Um, and the Sabbath command, by the way, gets the most verbiage in the, in the list of Ten Commandments. Have you heard of the Ten Commandments, by the way? I don't want to just assume you know what I'm talking about. I mean, some people, you know, some people don't. So, okay. These belong on the courthouse wall. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's a joke, guys. It's a joke. So. Uh, all right, here we go. Verse 12, chapter 5. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock. I don't know if the writer was like going to keep going like goats and lambs and <laughs> we're just going to throw in livestock. Or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. That's the phrase that doesn't exist in the Exodus account. Let's say that together they may rest as well as you. In other words, if you're going to rest, make sure they're resting. They need to rest as well as you rest. Hold on to that because we're going to come back around to that. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Get him. Get him. Okay. I don't know who him is, but they're going to get him. All right, let's talk about this. Are you ready? Some context for you. Uh, these commandments come to the Israelites initially in the Exodus 20 account. Um, and they come to the Israelites after they had been living in slavery in Egypt for generations. So, Part of what we see in the Sabbath command is a bit of rehab for a people who are now learning to live as free people. Um, and it's very interesting when we talk about laws, one of the laws that God gives Israel is to simply be lazy for a day. 
be useless for a day, be a waste of space for a day. Now, why do you think this is important? Well, it's kind of simple. As a slave, there is no rest. There's no stopping. There's no stoppage of work. There's no uh, stress-free environment. You're always sort of moving. And so in a post-slavery existence, it's important if God cares about these people, it's important that they have this kind of immunization against that kind of life, but also an immunization against the potential of becoming slave drivers themselves. Because that is the tendency for all of us. All of us want everybody in our circle to pull their weight. We all sort of self-designate as Lord over whatever we are in, our workplaces, our social groups, the dinner table at the restaurant. Isn't there always one person who dictates the menu for everybody? But anyway, um, they always want to order flatbread. Okay, (laughs) let's get a flatbread. You want a flatbread? Um, (laughs) But the tendency for us is to exert authority and to make people, or at least to get people to pull their weight. And so part of this command is an immunization against becoming slave drivers themselves, and, which is interesting because Israel would do that. They would become in their history oppressors of people. And so this Sabbath command, this, hey, take a day of the week and stop, don't work, don't do anything of productive value, and simply remember that this is God's world that he made, not the world that you made, and just sort of sit there and be present with him. Now, there's data that suggests that this command, and maybe all of them, wasn't kept that well. We tend to think of Israel as just living by these things by the book, but the truth is they struggle to do these things just like we do, right? So it's not a perfect situation for them, but it is an elixir that God gives them in their community to rest. Now, it's important because, and then I want to get into this phrase, rest as well as you, but let me just say one more thing here. Um, When we talk about our own time, because we live in such an economic culture, we even talk about our time in economic terms. You... Uh, you spend time, you invest your time, you gain time, you lose time, time is spent, time is well spent or ill spent. It's all economic language. Even when we rest, we come out of that and say, that was really productive for me. Like we can't even just be a loser for a minute. Like there's this need for us to just say, hey, I rested, but don't think I'm lazy because it was very productive. I got the house clean. I did all this stuff, right? Uh, So even in our own language about how we spend and manage our time, it, it, it has this kind of debit and credit vibe to it, okay? Now, let's go back to the text. I want you to see something. Let me read this part again. After the six days, you shall work and On the seventh rest, it says, On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Do you see it? 
the command is given first to the one who holds the power and the authority to give rest to all the people that it lists after that. It's a descending order of authority and power. It starts with essentially the head of the household, the children. So if you're a parent, you understand this. You're the one that holds the keys to rest and stability in the home, not the kids. The children, those who work for you, even down to the things that provide for your work, the ox, the donkey, this is sort of the translation in modern days of we don't drive on the Sabbath, these things that help us produce. Uh, And even to the sojourner, the most dependent on you, the immigrant. And so the text lists this kind of descending order of who holds the most power. Are you with me on this? And so there's a corporate nature to our rest, that rest is always at the mercy of those who hold the power. Okay? The immigrant has no power to Sabbath. If he does, it's resistance. That you can Sabbath in the midst of chaos. You can. But in terms of people groups, those who do not have power, do not hold authority, are not a, it's always at the mercy of those who hold the power. That those who hold the power stand guard over the need and the gift of rest. So if you're a parent, if you're a business leader, if you're a direct report, or if you're just someone who has assumed the unofficial title of the leader of your social group, you hold the power to help other people rest. Now, for those of you who don't fit into those categories, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The text you get from your boss on Saturday or the email that you're supposed to answer on Sunday at 1 a.m., you know? My wife, in her workplace, it's like the group texts are coming in at like 9 o'clock on a weeknight. It's like, where's the demarcation between retreat and engagement? And it's not the people in power that care because they're just shooting off stuff. But it's the people that don't hold the power that feel they're not resting. There's no break. Are you with me on this? There's no sense of, I don't know when I can just be. There's no line between engagement and retreat. And so a lot of you know what I'm saying in the places that you work and the relationships that you're in that you don't leave those environments feeling at rest. Now, if you're listening to me describe all this, you're like, I don't feel those things. Then you're the person who holds the power to see to it that the people in your life are at peace. If you're like, I don't understand this, you're either cold-hearted and have no vision for people, or you're the one. You're the boss. You're the parent. You're the business leader. You're the team leader. You're the self-proclaimed Messiah of your social group. You hold the power to put people at ease. Some of you know that I teach a class on Monday nights at Point University, so I get all the staff emails. And with the DACA situation in our country, uh, some great emails came out from the president of the school about how, and I kind of wondered this anyway, uh, but there's a number of students there that are dreamers. And 
It's one of those things where, again, they don't hold the authority in this matter. Therefore, they are, at, they are not at peace. There's a, the tone of the email from the president is, be aware that people are stressed simply because of an announcement from an organization that holds the power to see to it that you, you are either at peace or you are stressed. They have no control. And so this sense in which the church now becomes the place where we seek to enact rest in the lives of people. The hurricane, the relief efforts both in Houston and inevitably in Florida and other places, what is relief work other than simply, we're going to help you rest. We're going to help you the best we can to rest, to be at peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Let's say that together. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those who bring peace to the world, blessed are you. Blessed are you who see it as your life's goal to bring peace to those around you. Let me read a passage from um, Walter Brueggemann's book on the Sabbath. Can we just agree that's that's a great last name? Brueggemann. It doesn't get, you can't say that name like Brueggemann. That's, you've got to say it with some kind of, I don't know how yet, but <laughs> I'll come up with something. Uh, it's a lengthy passage, but listen to what he says about the command of the Sabbath. How strange to use the most airtime at the mountain on the Sabbath command. The divine utterance must have come as a shock to the listening Israelites. There had been no Sabbath in Egypt, no work stoppage, no work stoppage for Pharaoh who worked day and night to stay atop the pyramid. There had been no work stoppage for the slaves because they had to gather straw during their off time. No work stoppage for anybody in the Egyptian system because frantic productivity drove the entire system. And now the Lord nullifies that entire system of anxious production. There are limits to how much and how long slaves must produce bricks. There are limits to how much food Pharaoh can store and consume and administer. The limit is set by the weekly work pause that breaks the production cycle. And those who participate in it break the anxiety cycle. They are invited to awareness that life does not consist in frantic production and consumption that reduces everybody else to a threat or a competitor. And as the work stoppage permits a waning of anxiety, so the energy redeployed to the neighborhood is evident. The odd insistence of the God of Mount Sinai is to counter anxious productivity with committed neighborliness. The latter practice doesn't produce that much, but it does create an environment of security, of respect, and dignity that redefines the human project. You and I, we need rest individually. We could have gone a million ways with this Sabbath sermon. It could have just been about, here's three steps to resting, right? But I'm not so sure that even works because we just kind of live in a culture that doesn't know how to do that. Aren't we all, like, honestly tired of hearing how tired we all are? Like, that's just kind of the thing, you know? We get it. We're tired. And I've been preaching in this particular church for 10 years. We've done stuff about this. Like, I don't think 
people just hear it and go, it can't happen. And so there are many angles to this Sabbath thing, but today uh, I wanted to go with this corporate angle, that Sabbath is something we create for us. It's like a table that we set for the weary and the afraid to come and to sit and to rest as equals. This is the nature of it, that we practice kingdom-minded stuff by setting a table for all people where they can rest. Yes, you and I need Sabbath, but the world needs it too. And the point of these commands to Israel is so that they might live in a certain way that the neighboring nations go, that's interesting. They take care of their children. That's interesting. They don't work one day a week. That's interesting. This is, the, this is part of, this is the best evangelism strategy is just to, just to be awesome. Like, I mean, like, just to be different, to be unique in the world. And if there's a uniqueness that is missing, it's that the church of God would see as its role to create peace and rest in the lives of people around them. So some homework for you as we close it down. One is I want you to think about your circles this week. If you're a business leader, a parent, or just a friend, or whatever, or all three or more, think about those people that are in your life and just be conscious of, okay, when, when we leave one another, have I done what I can so that people feel at peace? Or are they leaving work? Are they leaving this conversation? Are they leaving and getting on the bus feeling anxious and not at rest? That I got the last word in and it was amazing. Hashtag mic drop. Like, totally did it, you know, and they just stress the rest of the day, right? Think about that. Think consciously about how am I creating uh, rest in the lives of people? Because some of you, uh, and I'm included in this too, I don't want to make it sound like I have a list of people, but I do. But anyway, uh, some of you are just amazing at creating unrest. (laughs) Don't do that. That leaves a wake of destruction that you, you're not aware of. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of your friends, they're very anxious. And when you don't answer their text for three days, they don't sleep. You don't know that, but it's true. Or when you respond in a certain way, it can create tension. So just be mindful of that. <laughs> this, is why, this, is why, this is why faith is not easy. Just be easier to have propositions. But these are actually life-altering things. The second thing is, pick this up on your way out. I put together a little Sabbath field guide. If you're interested in um, practicing Sabbath uh, on your own or as a family or as a, a group of friends, you can do that. Pick those up and... and And maybe try, see what that looks like. But in closing, um, I want you to see, I want you to leave here today seeing that 
Sabbath is something uh, that we provide for people as well. And then we make that sacred. And so let's be a place, be a church family that's good at that. That when you come in here on Sunday morning, you feel that. You don't feel anxious, tense. It feels at peace. Let's work on that. Let's do that together. Amen? Let me pray, and then um, uh, we'll stand and say the Lord's Prayer together and celebrate communion and um, let that be the stamp of our, uh, of, our, of our day together. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this gift of rest. It is a choice um, that we're called to make and that we find time in our schedules to stop and not to be productive, but to just be yours and to be reminded that you made this world, you made us, you love us. Um, God, these moments on Sundays when we come into this place, they are a Sabbath ritual where we come together and we are reminded that we don't have to work hard to make you love us, but you already do. And God, help that to leak into the lives of those around us. And Father, as we take communion together, um, fill this room with joy uh, as we remember the, the life and the death and the resurrection of your Son. And it's in your name we pray and everyone said, Amen.